podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so excited you decided to join us. Um, before we jump in today, I'd like to give a big shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, the most innovative, you know, technological machine you'll ever find. And it's so easy to use. You know, we have three of them. We love them. Um, they, they, they're always, they always giving to the community, but they're always innovating on their own, on their own products too. So go over and check them out. Mention coach unplugged and they'll give you a $400 off for coach Collins. Um, and also go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. It is the one-stop shop for basketball coaches. It's got everything you need to become a better basketball coach. We always tell our players that we want them to work on their craft. Well, are you working on yours? And that's one of the ways I've worked on my craft. It's something, you know, from someone that's been, that's coached a nationally ranked team that has won numerous state titles that has done those things. This is what, you know, I spent several years putting this together of things that would, that I could share with the world to make coaches better. And the roadmap will take care of it and we'll walk you through everything you need. So go over and check it out. And just in closing, if you like this podcast, go over and check out High School Hoops. Go over and check out the 5-Minute Basketball Coaching Podcast. Go over and check out Funnel Down Defense Podcast. All of them are great. Um, and leave a five-star review. We'd love that. All right, have a great day. All right, welcome to Coach Unplug. Um, like I, I don't even the last month I've been saying how many I've been, I've done. So I, I don't know if I was you or someone else coach, but it's like, I think I've done like 45 of these in the last three weeks. Um, but it's been great. It's awesome. I mean, I love talking hoops. Um, so when I get to go, I mean, my wife knows I'm always smiling when I walk into my, um, I walk into my office, I get to talk basketball. It's like, I don't yeah. think my guys as much and, and stuff. So Seth, I'm going to have you kind of introduce yourself. Sure. And then kind of tell your basketball journey, kind of where you started, you know, how you got to the point where we're kind of sitting here talking and then we'll, uh, we'll dive into this, some of the stuff that we had talked about before we came on the air. So it's all you. Great. Awesome. Uh, so I played high school basketball, wasn't very good, was kind of your typical role player. Um, and did you have a good experience though? Oh, had a great experience. Okay. I, I loved it. Um, a typical, you know, the thing that I really latched onto is, you know, that the guys that I played sixth grade basketball with are still my best friends today. You know, so that just that idea of, you know, there's something about the 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 basketball unit, the five man unit, and that specific locker room that I just think is so special and unique, and that I believe in, which is part of why I coach today. But I think uh, real, I think, know, my, my I think real, that's why people are having problems right now with all that's yeah. going on. Yeah, because they're struggling. Absolutely. The kids are struggling. They're struggling. Yeah. They are. No, they they are. And you can do you know every type of thing to try and hold on to that, but it's it's really hard right now for sure. Um, yeah. But my my real basketball coaching journey starts when I was a freshman at Davidson College, and uh, my roommate came back to our dorm room with an ad in the paper that said, hey, if you played high school boys basketball and want to practice with the women's team, show up to practice tomorrow. And he had played high school basketball. uh, And so we went thinking, you know, we'd be one of quite a few people there. And two of us showed up, and, uh, and they asked us to be a practice player with the women's team at Davidson. 
And we said, absolutely. When do you want us to come? And they said, come back tomorrow and then come back the next day and come back the next day. And so, uh, we, is Davidson uh, they, you know, the one that had, do you, is there a road running through the middle of Davidson? Um, not there's, there's main street Davidson. There's a, there's a highway I 77 that is right off is like right next to Davidson, but there's not, no, there's not like a main okay. road that runs okay. through or anything like that. But, um, but started, uh, kind of, I was a practice player for the women's team and that's always like my two truths and a lie because uh, in order to actually practice with an NCAA team, you have to actually be an official member of that team. So I had to sign all the documents and say that I hadn't received any, you know, really? so I was officially, yeah, I was officially a member of the women's basketball team at Davidson, uh, which was awesome. And, uh, and so did that for all four years there and loved it. I actually, that's how I met my wife. My wife was then Laura Murray, now Laura Kendig. She graduate, actually graduated from Davidson as the all-time leading scorer. So that was a blast getting to meet and know her and then after college, get married. And, um, so I'm and I started- back to, Let me go back to the signing thing. So is that- Sure, yeah. I've never actually heard that. Like, is that just so, I mean, I, yeah, I wonder. I mean, do you fall under all the NCAA rules then? Yeah, yep. That's right. Yeah. So I had this, like, they gave me this huge packet of documents and I had to go through and sign everything. At, and just, it was because there's this NCAA rule that if you're, if you are going to practice with the team, you're not allowed to practice unless you're an official member of the team. So but you didn't have great, you didn't have a grade requirements or anything like that. No, you you no, probably had like some social media stuff or don't go and gamble on the games. And yeah, it was, it was, it was all the stuff about that. I hadn't received any undue benefits, you know, from anybody and yeah, don't yeah. not gambling on the games. Yeah. All that type of stuff. Yeah. yeah. But that was kind of fun. I uh, okay. had to go get sickle cell tested, you know, like all the, all the stuff that they have to do for college athletes, all the stuff. So oh, wow. it was cool. Yeah. Um, okay. That was a blast. They gave us gear. They gave us shoes. You know, that was incredible. Getting to see the inside, you know, the day-to-day -day of a um, women's college basketball program was was really cool. And really, honestly, you know, it, it completely changed the way that I thought about specifically women's sports getting to so You know, I was your typical ignorant high school dude who just thought that, you know, girls basketball was this and that. And I had all my thoughts and opinions. And then I remember coming back to my um, – my dorm room the first day of that first practice and I took my shirt off and I just had bruises everywhere. And I was like, you know what, this is the real deal. These girls are the toughest girls I've ever, the toughest players I've ever played against. And I was, you know, I played high school basketball in, in greater Atlanta. And so then I kind of perked, you know, I was like, okay, something's up here and just basically fell in love with the women's game from that point forward and was like, this is something I want to do. I don't want to coach uh, men or, or boys. I want to coach girls basketball and just fell in love with um, the way that the coaches thought about the game and the way that the players saw themselves through basketball that was so just stark and unique and different than like me and my experience as a basketball player, the way that those players uh, kind of saw themselves and the way that they kind of um, saw how basketball and being on that team allowed them to be this best version of themselves was something that I just really latched onto. I'd always wanted to be a coach. I knew that. Um, but I didn't necessarily know what I wanted to coach. And being a practice player at Davidson helped me realize that, you know, I want to be a girls basketball coach, that this is what I want to do. Um, and so I immediately started coaching middle school girls basketball at a local middle school. The same year started, I helped a, a group, a, tra a travel organization called Pro Skills Basketball out of Charlotte that hadn't done any girls teams before that. I helped them start a girls program. They're now Team Curry this year. This is the first time they're, wow. they're Team Curry, which is a big deal. Yep. And, um, and so, and then, uh, so 
what I say is I got the best coaching education possible my first year as a coach and because I was teaching sixth grade girls how to play who'd never played before and a lot of them had never played a sport before. I was coaching a 17U national team of these high school players who wanted to go play college basketball and I was being a practice player at Davidson getting to see the inside and out of a, um, of a you know, a mid-major D1 women's basketball program. And so That's, I think I, mean, I got... Seriously, you couldn't have made a better resume. And And the thing is... I remember one of my first education classes that they had us, they, they came in, they gave us a sheet of paper and it had a card game on it. We had, a, we had like five minutes to read it and then we had to teach everybody how to do it. So when someone doesn't know how to play something or do something and then you have to teach it, it's not easy. No, no, it, it is, is not. It is it's not. And it's like, I sat there and went like, whoa, yep. this is not like, so then they, we got into the whole, like, how do you, how do you go about explaining what you know to someone else? A hundred percent. Parents I, I, all around the world are finding out that teachers yeah. actually can do few things. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's some great <laughs> advice for younger coaches, right? If you've never done that, if you've never had to teach a group of people how to play, you know, start a clinic on Saturday mornings, right? Do it just for fun. Cause you learn so much. And that's why I really latched onto the skill development side at first, because I was able to see these high level concepts in college basketball and then connect. Okay. In sixth grade, what do they need? to be able to get here one day. Whether they get there or not is fine. And so I really latched on to the kind of skill development side. And that's where I kind of got my start um, and had a, a pretty good little business going there as a skill development coach. I coached high school uh, the year after I graduated from Davidson for a year at a community school, Davidson, a small public school there. And then my wife and I moved back to the Atlanta area where I've been coaching at Providence Christian Academy since then. And I've been there for five years. They were, they were, they were dumb enough to hire a 23-year-old as a varsity girls head basketball coach. And I've been there. This will be the start of my sixth season. Wow. So, so okay. A couple of things. First of all, yeah, did sure. Davidson. Okay. So as, so I played collegiately mm -hmm. playing and coaching are so different. Oh yeah. Um, I learned some things obviously from my college coach, some things I wanted to do and some things I didn't want to do. Same thing with my high school coach, but I really wasn't thinking about coaching. I was thinking about playing like, so was it different as a practice player or were you still in the, I'm going to play mode. I'm not really seeing what they're doing. Cause you spent like all those years seeing what they were doing. Did all that kind of just whoosh or did you actually see the process? No, I, I saw it. And I, I, I think I'm a, maybe a bit of a weirdo in this respect, but I have a journal um, from when I was in high school of notes that I had taken of things that I did and did not want to do that I'd seen my high school coach do. Okay. And so I knew I was going to be a coach from early on. And so okay. I totally, totally had that lens at Davidson when I was there of, you know, I'm doing this because and this is helping me, you know, one day become a, a coach. And, um, and I saw everything that we did through that lens, which was incredible. Well, that, so, so plus that's a plus for you. Yeah. yeah. Um, absolutely. So let's, let's dive into the skill development thing first, mm -hmm. but before we do that, Atlanta's traffic is horrible. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, I live two hours from Chicago. I would rather go blindfolded through Chicago than go through Atlanta. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's I mean, pretty there's bad. no if easy grow, way. So, no, if you, we, yeah, if you, yeah, if you grow up here, you get used to it. But yeah, it's 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 LA. It's, it's LA and Atlanta are the literally the worst. Boston got better since the big dig, but I swear to God. So here's i'm going to tell you a couple of atlanta stories first of all i've i've spoken in a couple of clinics outside of atlanta at lake oconnie lake lake oconnie yeah yeah so mm -hmm. kevin's a friend i've gone yeah nice in there 
great, love it. Flew in late, it was no problem, whatever. Late night is fine with Atlanta, early morning's fine. But when we, we also love to go to Sanibel Island, which is in Florida. We actually named our, one of our dogs Sanibel. That's how much we love Sanibel Island. Wow. Anyway, there is no time where we can, and Sanibel Island, for those of you who don't know, is down by Fort Myers, about an hour and a half south of Tampa, St. Petersburg area, on the west coast of Florida. Anyway, you can leave there. We need to go to Wisconsin. So if you know anything about a map, you go from there <laughs> straight up. And Atlanta's in the way. And there, it doesn't matter if we leave at 2 a.m. Doesn't yeah. matter if we leave at noon. Doesn't matter if we leave at 11 at night and drive. It is horrible around. Atlanta's the only place we have problems. Yep. Yep. There's no, there's no bypass. There's no way no. around it. Absolutely. Like, yep. Two, 285 is just, it is the worst. Yeah. It's, it's like, <laughs> I, just, I just got to vent about it because it's like I haven't figured out a solution to it other than flying. <laughs> to get around it later, yeah. you know, um, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Um, skill development. Um, that, that's my bird walking there. I didn't vent about yeah, sure. driving cause I've driven <laughs> sure. that enough. skill yeah. development. So you started a business. How did the business work? It, it was so, I mean, basically I, I was coaching middle school girls and had enough people ask me to train them in the off season that it kind of became something that I was like, Hey, I could do this and make some pretty good money. And so just, um, you know, I, I had tutored for a while in high school as well. So kind of just approached it as if it was a basketball tutoring business. And okay. I started with uh, middle school players who were trying to make their high school team. But then pretty soon, you know, like I said, I was coaching a 17U national team um, and was training those players as well. Um, and but I really I really liked coaching that middle school girls group. Uh, and so basically just kind of marketed myself to the middle schools in the area that I already had relationships with the coaches and said, Hey, you know, I kind of want to do this. Let, let your parents know, sent some, a few emails. And then pretty, pretty soon all my time was taken up that sharp, you know, it's, it's kind of a lot of that I think has to do with the city that you're in because, uh, Charlotte, um, I, I don't, I don't know if you've ever heard of pro skills, but pro skills is huge there now. It absolutely exploded. They have teams all over the country. Right. And if, Pro Skills had tried to do what they were doing in Atlanta. It wouldn't have worked because there's a there's an AAU or a travel team on every corner here in Atlanta, and there's a trainer on every single corner. And so a lot of that I think has to do with just like is it an untapped area for kind of basketball development? And where I was in Lake Norman and Davidson, it totally was the case. There was a huge need for you know there was a huge gap between like your basketball clinic that's essentially daycare and like I'm training to become a college player. There was no one working with those players in between. And so I was able to just kind of you tap fill in a market. For a yeah, years. you fill the market share. Absolutely. The, the the issue with the issue is I think first of all for the young coaches listening, I think it's a great idea, great way to make some cash. I mean, I've math tutored, I've done that, whatever. I do it once in a while. Just I don't need to do it, but I do it just to keep. First of all, I do it a couple of reasons, just to keep me sharp, to keep thinking about things I can do as far as skill development goes. Same thing with the math. I you know the tutoring is like kind of just keeps me sharp. Um, but, uh, the problem is it's time for money and it's like, you can only do so much of it. Um, and there's definitely a burnout stage. You're not going to, you're not going to buy an Island in the Bahamas doing that. No <laughs> doubt. No doubt. And now as a program, you know, I coach at a small, uh, private Christian school and, you know, every single one of the players that's coming into our program in middle school 
you know, maybe two of the 12 that come into as honor sixth grade team have played basketball before. So I'm taking a lot of the things still that I learned then and I'm still doing it. And now all that time is being spent doing it, not as a side business, but in, in my own program. So, right. Right. And that's why I think it's good. I think it's a good thing. Yeah. It's a great, it's a, for the, for the really young, if you're in college, it's a great gig. Absolutely. It's a great Absolutely. gig. Like you, you yeah. especially I, you're, I, yeah. I know a lot of coaches that, uh, I want a lot. I, I know probably three or four that I could name of coaches who are assistants at smaller schools, D3 schools or mid-major schools who are doing that in order to make their money because, you know, their stipend is is really little. So absolutely is, yeah. a, is a great. I was talking to a D2 coach yesterday and it's like, you don't get rich being, you got, you know, you're not Calipari at like Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's get and and some of them make good money, but it's like you're not you're not gonna again buy an island in the Bahamas. No. Um, okay, so let's talk about the stuff that I saw on Twitter. I love sure. that. Yeah, so yeah. you have a side. So you have a side business, a consulting thing. Well, so this is uh, this is kind of brand new. Um, okay, and and this kind of you know goes with my story as well, which is which is kind of uh, good. This is a good spot for. It. But there there are really two things things I would say outside of coaching that major that have like really affected how I think as a coach in my coaching journey. And the first one of those is that I actually got to do, you know, this is going to sound at risk of sounding like a huge geek. Uh, I actually did some research while I was at Davidson and applied linear algebra. Um, and there's a, there's a professor there. You can look him up on Twitter. He is one of the coolest people ever. His name's Dr. Tim Chartier. And he started doing all of this math around ranking systems to try and predict the NCAA tournament. And so I've, I've read he was that. starting that. I'm a math right? teacher. Trust yes. me. I'm a yeah. math. I'm yeah. a math. There you go. I'm a stats teacher. Yeah. If I, yeah, go, I've read. I've, if, you, if, yeah. if anyone wants an advantage, this next, whenever the NCAA tournament happens next, just go to March Mathness. That's M A T H Mathness.edu. And you will have a huge advantage because of what Dr. Chartier has built. But anyway, I got to work with him. And while I was at Davidson as a math major, and that led to me being able to actually work on analytics projects. We worked with the men's team uh, for two years when I was a junior and senior. And then I actually got to work on projects for the 76ers under Sam Hinkie at the time and the Charlotte Hornets since they were local to Davidson. And so that kind of uh, foray into more my academic life obviously affects the way that I just think about the game um, and the type of style that I want to play and the skills that I'm developing in the players in my program. Uh, but the second thing is that, um, and so let's, before we dive into that, what sure. are those? Yeah. So, I mean, I just, I, I, I believe that I kind of believe that, uh, the most, the most threes that you is a more efficient way to play. So how, I, how that affects my skill development, I would say is that, um, that, our style of play and the way that I'm developing girls again from having most of them never played a sport until they're in 12th grade is within this framework that maximizes the amount of threes and layups that we shoot, which is, you know, common sense at this point. Um, but I would say the biggest way that it affects how I coach today is in how I, how I see value in players. And so, um, we do, you know, this is an idea that has kind of been talked about by many coaches before, you know, there's the competitive cauldron. Mike neighbors has talked a lot about how they keep lineup efficiencies in practice and whichever lineup is the most efficient that week is who starts. Um, and so I, I don't really, I have stopped looking at an individual player as, as with my skill development brain, sometimes I can get too caught up as a coach and getting frustrated at this thing that we worked on or this footwork that we've tried to drill that they're not doing in games and lose sight of the bigger picture of how does this player affect winning outside of just like 
these skills that I've been trying to teach them. Um, and so I believe wholeheartedly in lineup efficiencies. I keep them for my team still. I show them every day in practice. We do keep them in practice and we chart them and show them to our team that says, hey, you know, like the fact that you can do this move, this move, and this move, or make this shot, this shot, and this shot is great, but every, your, your teams have lost every drill this week. Uh, and so, you know, clearly How do you deal with the permutation of all the possibilities? Because when I look at my lineup permutations and I do that math, there are like I'll play I'll play ten kids. Yeah, I'll, I'm dealing with like ninety different yep. possible lineups. How do you deal there's with a, all those? There's a threshold, right? So I, I will only pick lineups that have basically played a certain percentage of our possessions, and I only look at those. So I whittle yeah. it down to about eight of them. And when you whittle it down to the eight that have played, it, it, it tends to be about five to eight. And I also I don't look at it um, and. T- in terms of our games until about game eight or nine or 10. So the sample's big enough. But when you're doing it in practice as well, that helps you build that sample. So I usually whittle it down to kind of the top eight group. And that just allows you to pick out some certain things. A lot of times it doesn't, it's not that I'm going to play someone more or less, but it might be that I'm going to play groups more or less together, if that makes sense. And so I think that, uh, and that's that's the work that we actually did with the Davidson men's team when we were there as well. That was kind of kind of a little bit eye opening for them at first was that they they hadn't really thought of you know groups of players that play together and how they affect efficiency either on the defensive or offensive end. But really looking into when a lineup does better than you thought it would, you know, being able to look into that and say, okay, well, why is that? What's going on here? Clearly, something's going on here. And so you can, you can tap into a lot of things that you're doing really well that you may not have even realized, even though, you know, coaches love to think that, that they can see those things clearly, but we can't, you know? Right. Um, no, no. Our biases come in over yep. the, yeah, don't, the numbers don't lie. hundred <laughs> percent. Um, okay. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt on that. I no, just want to know how you would do that. Great. Go ahead. You were, yeah. you were, that was part one. Your part, yes. you had two parts. So the second thing that's really shaped kind of, I would say my journey, um, from when I've been at Providence to now is that my, my principal came in uh, to invite me into his office. My first year I was teaching. Um, I go, I teach at the school that I went to in high school. So I have a great relationship with my principal. Um, and he basically said, you know, Seth, if you could build a leadership program or build how leadership is done in high school from the ground up, you know, you didn't have to think about money. You didn't have to think about this. You didn't have to think about schedule. You know, what would you do? And that kind of became an ongoing conversation for two years. Um, and we just kind of talked and brainstormed. Um, and then they basically gave me the opportunity to do it. And so I have the last four years, we just had actually had our first graduating class of this leadership program specifically, but was able to kind of build and implement a four-year leadership program for all of our high school students at my school. And uh, the first two years of that leadership program consists of basically what I call world-class leadership content um, that is provided by a company called Giant Worldwide that does leadership and professional development in companies all over the world. Okay. And then the third year is called, we teach them entrepreneurial economics. And the second semester of that class, they actually start their own small business. And in the fourth year, they participate in an internship. And getting to do that with our students and go through and basically have to become an expert on all of that leadership content, I teach all of those classes, has major shaped what I do now as a coach and what I value. 
And I've been doing this a lot and, uh, you know, talk about in the educational space. I, I train teachers and teams of teachers and I go um, do training for pre-planning all of the time. And yet that I found that this, this stuff that I'm doing in school has actually been the most valuable in my walk of life with my own basketball team. So I kind of have felt like for so long that I've just been sitting on all of this gold that high school coaches in particular um, can use and all it takes is you educating yourself on on like two to three tools like visual tools um, specifically around feedback and support and challenge and getting to know your players and knowing yourself to lead yourself some of these ideas that I was like you know like I, I need to be helping coaches more I need to be giving this to other coaches and have basically and since October to kind of start some type of consulting business I you know I had no idea what it was gonna look like or how it was gonna be and then um, basically had planned to launch that this summer. Um, <laughs> and then all, all of this stuff happened. But the cool thing is it actually gave me an opportunity to start earlier. So I actually okay. started it in March. And I just reached out to as many of the coaches in my network that I knew and said, hey, here's what I've been doing in the high school level. It's been incredible with my team. I would love to share it with your team. It's actually led to quite a few opportunities that would not have ever been there. Because it wasn't, you yeah. know. Yeah. So, uh, and this is exactly what coaches are looking for right now. You know, we can't be, a lot of coaches can't be with their players in person. So what are we able to do virtually that is still going to be building their leadership development? So uh, kind of what I, what I say that I'm, I'm trying to do on the side is basically help coaches develop culture and develop a leadership culture I love and that. Uh, do that by educating them on just maybe, you know, even three to four tools uh, that they can use. With and their is, it just, is it just, is it just, basketball or are you doing it for more in other sports um, well no I, I i mean i'm very open to doing it for more in other sports i've worked with um, a swim team i've worked okay. with a lacrosse team uh but you know there's so much of this that i i use every day on the court that it's it's easier for me to just say hey here's you know here's what i do and here's, here's what you do on I the court for and so and it's so easy but yeah mainly i do it in the educational space i've mainly done it with teachers and teams of teachers um departments and stuff like that and okay. then have just decided I want you know this is something that I think coaches could use I, I believe that you know for me this is how it was for me that you know the most influential people in my life uh, outside of my parents were my coaches and so um, I wish that I could say that they were teachers uh, but but for me they weren't it was coaches and so I really feel very passionate about just arming coaches to be able to be those influential people in young people's lives it's so how much. they made so you feel too to it wasn't it wasn't yeah. this play that they diagrammed up it was how they oh, made you feel I know. 100% I know 100% it's, it's so that um so the entrepreneur part interests me um <laughs> So I got into a discussion a couple of years ago with a teacher in our building. So my son started a business. He sells shoe, buys and sells tennis shoes. Nice. It's called the shoebroker.net. And he like, he's started this whole thing. And anyway, crazy. He like, he hasn't asked me for money in a long time. So it's a wonderful thing for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a anyway, good thing. Yeah, he can, he can put car gas in. Anyway, but it, it was, it was the entrepreneur part. It was like this work, this didn't work. How, how could I do this? How could I not do this? Failure, success, all the stuff that taught him so many lessons more than I could have taught him. Yeah. Um, but the big part was yeah, I had a discussion with a teacher and she was like, well, boy, they shouldn't be doing that. They shouldn't be buying and selling shoes. I said, I said, stop. This was a science teacher. I said, what they're doing right now is probably more important than what you're teaching in chemistry class. She goes, what do you mean? I go, they're not going to remember the algebra two I teach them. But if we can teach them those skills, yep. that's going to, you know, the, 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 the ability to negotiate, the ability to, to communicate with people, all those things, 
Absolutely. I mean, I can't imagine how much fun that is. That's got to be so much fun to teach that. And that they oh, have something when they're done. Yep. It's incredible. I mean, it has been, it has really been incredible. And that's where all this started. You know, we, we did this huge, all this research amongst our teachers at our school. And we basically said like, what are the five skills we call them emerging attributes that we want our students to have when they graduate. And it was creative and critical thinker, flexible collaborator, uh, effective communicator, liberating leader. And I always forget the last one. Let me think for just a second. It is, uh, um, well, those four are all business things. Yeah. Well, right, right. Well, there are all these skills that yeah. have to do it. And, and basically, we, we took a step back and we said, okay, it's great for us to, but like, where are we doing these things in our school? And that kind of was the challenge to say, well, let's actually, instead of saying, let's, instead of doing school, I think a lot of schools do this, instead of doing school and hoping that these attributes happen, what if we actually taught those? So, what if we literally had a class where we taught creative and critical thinking, where we taught flexible collaboration where we taught effective communication um and and so that's kind of where this leadership program came from and so of it is centered around let's just have you do this let's throw you out into the deep end a little bit and this is where you're going to learn high school is an incredibly safe place for students to fail but for some reason we don't act like that's the case all of the time and so let's throw you out there let you fail and learn uh, we had you know, we had uh, just, we didn't even get to finish. So we, the, you know, the students were only able to run their small businesses from January to March because of the pandemic, the, you know, first week of March here in, in Georgia. And we had students collectively, there were 11 students that started their own small business. They made 2,500, they did $2,500 in revenue in two and a half months of these. And, do you, and these were do, kids. Do they set up LLCs? Do they set no, up? We, that was the plan. So the plan was basically that what we do is if they, uh, so, you know, I said internship is the year is the fourth year, right? So right. if they want, instead of doing an internship, they can actually just continue their small business. And at that point, our plan had been, okay, if, if their business is going really well and they want to, then we'll actually walk them through the process of opening an LLC. Um, and we had already educated all of them on that. And they, some of them are really excited. And then this all kind of happened. But, you know, the things, you know, some of those students, the, the, the small business that actually did the best were two students that I looked at in December and they looked at me and they were like, you know, we can't do any of this. This isn't how we think. We don't know any of this. And they came up with a good idea and loved it and ran with it. And just the amount of belief that they have in themselves now that they can go and accomplish things and do things and do things that matter and have impact uh, has just dramatically shifted because we let them try something and, and risk failure. Um, but that was okay. So it's been, it's incredibly empowering. Hey everybody, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you want to hear other podcasts by Coach Collins, go over and check out High School Hoops and Teacher Side Gig, and then go over and subscribe to all of them and leave all of them five-star reviews. That would be great. Um, and then if you have 30 seconds after that, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Have a great day. Sports Social Podcast Network.